Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Gene Ginsberg here. Welcome to another episode of Listen by Gene Ginsberg. And today I have a very special guest, Brett. How are you doing, Brett? I'm fantastic, Gene. Nice to see you again. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Brett and I met on LinkedIn because we were both on the Inc. 5000 list. And I reached out to Brett and we started chatting and he invited me to be on his podcast a few weeks ago. And then I was like, I thought I had, you know, I had a really good conversation. So I was like, hey, why don't, why don't you join me on my podcast? So that's how we ended up here. So very excited to chat with you today. Um, tell us about your background. Sure. Well, I um, grew up not far from you. I know you're in Colorado and I love talking about New Mexico anytime I get a chance. So I grew up in Albuquerque, you know, the great Southwest. And I moved out to Miami in 2005 for law school. So I've been here you know, 15 years now, going on 16. And I, I, I finished law school. I started practicing as an attorney. Uh, I've been able to grow my firm, you know, numerically speaking, you know, rather successfully. And, um, you know, doing some other fun projects now as well. And just kind of uh, enjoying the, the life of becoming a, a massive delegator. Okay, well, well, we'll put a pin in that because I do want to chat about growing our businesses. We have a lot of entrepreneurs on the podcast who listen and would love to hear about, you know, your changes, right, from how you went from having your law firm to now being the delegator. But before we do that, um, tell us about your law firm. What kind of uh, cases do you typically practice? Sure. So we are focused on on business owners. Um, one of our taglines is um, we protect business owners from getting legally screwed. And, and we do that, of course, reactively through litigation, because especially in Miami, we're the fourth busiest um, court, uh, circuit court in the nation. Um, but what we really hang our hat on is our proactive measures of keeping clients out of the courtroom through our general counsel program and through helping employers, entrepreneurs, and business owners understand that not, you know, it's sweeping things under the rug or not addressing things can end up very bad for you. So let's help you get your legal infrastructure in place. Let's help you get your contracts that give you leverage or protect you. Let's get all the things you need so that you can sleep well at night knowing your business is protected. So we do that for generally business owners. We have a lot of franchise clients, both franchise franchisors and franchisees, um, employment law issues with employers and employees that we, we help navigate. And we do a lot of trademark work as well. So that's kind of the, the, the run of the mill for the firm. Okay. Sounds like contracts, trademark, uh, employment law. Is that, is that awesome? All right. So definitely everything related to, to working, working in business. So, so tell us how you started. So you started your law firm and now you said you're, you're become a master delegator. So tell us about that evolution. Like, did you start by yourself or like with a couple of attorneys and then had a small yeah. office and now you're mostly running the business? Tell us about that evolution. So I started back in 2011. It's actually 11111. Is, is, I didn't plan it that way. It just so happened. But um, started the firm and it was just me, myself and Irene. 
uh, for like a good two years. I, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't growing, but it turns out I was trying to do everything myself. And that's a recipe for disaster. It's like owning a restaurant. You're the hostess, uh, the maitre d', the sommelier, the line strap, the head strap, the owner, the marketer, you're answering the phone and the delivery service all at one. And imagine how awful that food would be, right? Um, but but I had to learn the hard way because when, when you just need a laptop to start a business as a lawyer, then it's it's like tough to, to really learn those lessons because you think, well, I can't spend money on that. I don't have the money. But it's by, but it's by spending your time on things that aren't income producing or that's not the highest and best use of your time that you're like the money is, is, is the, is the cause. It's not the symptom. The symptom is not being able to learn how to grow yourself. So finally someone got through to me. I started hiring things got better quickly. And then at least I, at least I learned. Right. So then I just kept on growing and growing and just putting all the money back in the firm. And, um, and you know, here we are today, 20, 25 or 26, I don't even know, uh, team members and 10 attorneys. Yeah, that's so true. And I hear this very often. And it was, it was also challenging for me. It's like you make having, making that leap, right? Like from when you're doing everything yourself to then hiring staff. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs trip up on the point, like, well, if I hire a lot of people, I have to have a lot of overhead now. So I have to bring in the sales in order to cover that overhead. And I think like, that's where I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who trip up on that because they're like, well, I don't know if I have the sales to kind of warrant hiring so many people so it's like you have to bring it in and then you'll bring in the sales and then hire the people right or vice versa <laughs> i i have a, i have a theory on that so there's there is the the valley of death everyone knows the statistic that i don't know it's like 60 percent of businesses don't make it to five years right but but just staying in business to me isn't making it there is a valley of death um and i i haven't looked in a while so i'll go back but in in scaling up which talks about firms that get to or businesses i should say they get to like the 1.5 one and a half million in revenue like only four percent ever get to five million in revenue my theory on that is because it's very painful to do everything yourself and because that pain that that will spur action and and entrepreneurs will do enough to make an okay living and be comfortable but comfort is the enemy of progress and they will then just stop making big decisions to keep growing because like, well, now I have enough money that I, you know, I can send my kids to school where I want and I've got a comfortable house and I don't want to look overhead is daunting. And when you keep adding, you know, personnel and more physical space, it, it, it can be very stress inducing. And so I'm not saying just go sign the biggest lease you can and you'll figure it out. There are smarter ways to grow. But, you know, to not get trapped in the comfort sort of area, you know, to me, I think that's why a lot of businesses just kind of stop their growth. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's just they they're like, oh, I'm making good money. Like, I don't need to really push it so much. Like, I'm comfortable. I have a house. I have, you know, my kids are taken care of kind of deal. And it's like I see this happen all the time. It's like. They're, I think in the beginning, entrepreneurs are very innovative in the, you know, because they're trying to push themselves and drive that revenue. But then they get to a point where it's like, oh, well, things are good. I don't know if I really need to do much more, right? So I see that pretty often, too. <laughs> 
This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following, where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. What do you think is, um, you know, how do, how do entrepreneurs get past that? Is it just like having a need for more drive? Oh, uh, man, I wish I had, had figured. What know, about how, you? I mean, you're, well, you're growing. <laughs> I guess for, for me, um, freedom is a, is a big thing for me. And I have been able to put people around me that I love working with. And that, um, like, for example, I own a law firm, but I haven't actually practiced law now in about four years. And so I'm able to focus on the growth. And, and so far, it, you know, things have worked out, I'm sure you know, you go through a rough patch and you're like, oh, I need to pull back and fire everyone. And a lot of that happened after COVID. You saw a lot of smaller businesses, especially law firms, almost like light their firm on fire. And, and those of us who kept pushing forward really benefited, but um, it just, just a mental block. And I don't know how to get over it because again, comfort is the enemy of progress. I think people just get comfortable. Um, and I don't, I don't say that from a condescending point of view, by the way, because there's nothing wrong with just being a really happy person and enjoying life. I mean, God forbid somebody just be happy. To me, the bigger problem is pretending like you're happy and you got everything you wanted out of life when you're really lying to yourself. Right. And you're just like, well, I don't, you know, and, and when I have conversations with people, like I'll say, you know, by the way, do you still answer your phone, you know, for attorneys? And wow, some of the there's like a five minute speech on why they still answer their own phone prepared from the defensive, ready just to, just to hit you with that. And it's like, for me, you know, life's short and I don't want to get old and say, I had some really good early success, but I was a one hit wonder. And, you know, I, I, I kind of grew a business and then I stopped, you know, look at me. That was a great life. It's like, I don't know, willing to fail. There's a good book called willing to fail that we send all of our, our new clients, um, by a guy named Brian Scudamore, who um, he grew 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And, and it's a really fascinating book about just continuing to push forward. I just looked that book up. I have never heard of it. And I, I love reading entrepreneurial books. And so I'm definitely going to put that on my list. So thank you for the recommendation. Uh, awesome. So you mentioned um, COVID earlier. So how have things changed for you since covid uh happened have have you seen a decline in clients or are you seeing an increase or like what are what are your thoughts on how things have been going yeah it's been fascinating so we decided to go virtual on friday march 13th and by tuesday march 17th we were 100 percent virtual um we have had one firm employee working at the physical office space because he just refused to work from home he didn't want to do it and so he's basically been in this cavern by himself. You can see my background. I am on at our building today. This is probably the sixth or seventh time here for me since March. So we're still virtual. So that has changed enormously. But our efficiency is actually up because you have a lot less, you know, commuting and the water cooler talk and the lunches. Mm-hmm. Um, client wise, yeah, you know, the whole world thought, oh gosh, we're gonna 
you know, the whole world is ending in March. So things just kind of came to a standstill. And, but they picked back up starting in June, you know, April and May were interesting. So our, like the amount of visitors to our website went from, you know, like a, a, like a thousand per day to like 5,000 per day in the middle of COVID because we were putting out so many blogs and articles and we were just trying to help business owners and entrepreneurs as much as possible, especially with the, the PPP loans and, and that whole opportunity slash fiasco. Um, but it, they didn't always turn into clients. And there's a lot of things I learned through that process for next time, if there is one. And, um, you know, so we're kind of back to normal now. We're still going to grow this year, which, which is great percentage wise for us. You know, our growth rate will be less in 2020, certainly than we had planned and, and a lot less than other years past. But I mean, we didn't have any layoffs and we still grew and we are still able to help most of our clients other than the ones in the sort of entertainment or event industry that went out right. of business, unfortunately. Uh, that is unfortunate. So you said you learned a lot from the campaigns that you were running during COVID. What did you learn? I'm curious. We were putting out a ton of free info and I was looking at all this action to the website and we were excited about, you know, all the people we were helping and all the momentum and people were sharing on, on Facebook. But it wasn't like a it didn't turn into a lot of clients you know back in march and april and b we weren't actually capturing that info we weren't we weren't asking for email addresses for that information you know for the downloads so we didn't put together sort of a, a lead capture on this until you know june or july and, and by then the bulk of, of the hysteria was already over so that was a that was a big learning for me it was like I refuse to fire people, refuse to shut down. I refuse to pull back. We're going to work twice as hard. It'll just be from home. And that was my focus at the time. I kind of took off my entrepreneurial hat and just kind of just focused on really my work hat for the first time in a long time. So just a little side note as from a digital marketing perspective, um, of course, email captures are very important, but there's also retargeting campaigns, right? So you can take the pool of individuals who have engaged with your website, with your Facebook blogs, whatever it might be, your videos on Facebook, and then create a retargeting pool to take the next step. That might be the email capture or set, you know, set up a consultation with us, with that, whatever it may be. So just a little side note. <laughs> we, we, we retarget like champions, definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that usually, I mean, that a lot of times brings people back if you didn't get them the yeah. first time around. So um, awesome. So I guess one last question before we wrap things up is I, I like asking this question. It's kind of uh, an open-ended one. So what is your prediction for the industry? And it's kind of a loaded question. It could be your specific industry, the legal industry, or it could be terraforming Mars or self-driving cars or AI you know, you choose what you think is the prediction for the industry. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the legal, the legal field is going to change a lot in the next 15 years. We are already hearing a lot about AI and I think a lot of, gosh, there's just so many attorneys who are in their, you know, third decade of practice who don't want to don't eat, just put their blinders on and are holding on for dear life, trying to get to that retirement, you know, before things change and, I don't know. I think the young people are going to drive the change. There's going to be a lot more information sharing, a lot more ways to, you know, create contracts and, and a lot more creative ways to resolve disputes. I think the virtual world 
is going to change. It's going to be, you know, purely virtual firms where you can sign on, pay 150 bucks and just click on a lawyer, like in a chat room and have a Zoom for, for 20, 30 minutes. I just think it's all, it's all going to change very rapidly slowly and then all at once right like change takes 10 years and then you wake up you're like oh my gosh what just happened um and from the the globalization of the workforce you know i i own a second or partly own a second business that does um international staffing virtually so people that work from home in in different countries in latin america and that business has had explosive growth because if if, if we're all virtual now anyway then, right. um, you know, there's the, the workforce in the U.S. is interesting. You've got the fight over minimum wage, but minimum wage jobs are high turnover and, and right. they're not designed for, for lifetime positions. And so if you're in the services business, why continue trying to hire for those positions domestically when you, you don't want that person making $10 an hour? They're not going to be able to have a good life and a good living. So that 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 is the the international workspace is, is going to be very interesting that yeah that has grown significantly i so when i first started my firm my um business i i was virtual since the beginning eight years and then i doing everything myself in the beginning but then started hiring people and they were all virtual too and so i you know that was probably what like four or five years ago and and then the, the firms that i work with um like the agency staffing firms they were just saying how incredibly explosive things have been in the last um six to ten months for them just because they're like now everyone's virtual and so they're like <laughs> their staff are so busy because you know so many entrepreneurs and so many people just like yeah, why not use a virtual workforce, right? So I totally understand that. And, I, and then going back to what you were saying, like, uh, you know, having an attorney on a Zoom call, so it's almost going to be like telemedicine, right? But telelegal right? in a way, right? Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's the perfect analogy, right? There. Yeah. Telemedicine's a thing now, so telelegal, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe that maybe this is, you know, the $64 million idea that we just came up with. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. This is fantastic. Um, last question is, how can our audiences get in touch with you? Easy. Um, you can email me at brett at tremblylaw.com or go to our website, tremblylaw.com and, and fill out the contact us form. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. This was great to hear. And I, I love hearing these um, evolutions, you know, you were you in the beginning and then like now you're not even practicing law and you're just overseeing your firm. So it's great to hear how things have changed so much over the last you know, nine years or so. So um, love hearing those stories. So thanks again for being here. Have a great rest of the day. Dean, thank you so much for having me. It was fun chatting with you again. Yeah, and thank congrats you. On, on all your success. Very happy oh, to see you. Thank you very much. That is very kind. I appreciate it.